0: and welcome to another new episode of time extend my name is adam ismile and as always i'm joined today with
1: brendan Norrison and today we are taking a step back from all the, the hectic episodes we've had and delivering the next episode of free practice so i think this has been well earned adam and um, we've been pretty damn busy on the time extend front recently
0: we, we've had so many great shows and There's so much going on, we've talked to so many awesome people and I'm really enjoying it, but at the same time I just felt like I kind of needed an episode just to shoot the shit and sound dumb and just like get all of these thoughts in my head out even if they're not really fully formed and free practice is great for those purposes
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure Um, It's pretty much our dumping ground for random bits of chat and um, we've even come up with a, a nice little topic idea to make these episodes Um, give us something to talk about at first at least, so we we went on Twitter and pulled our audience for some questions.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have, so this is really the perfect show, you know, I know a lot of people like to listen to podcasts in your car, Uh, if you're not in your car, kick back, grab a drink, grab a beer, get some wine, just just relax, Um, I would be doing that but it's 8, 8.30 in the morning where I am, (laughs) it's a little too early to start day drinking but uh but brendan by all means you should you should have a cold one in your hand right now
1: oh yeah always mate I, I'm, I'm never not drinking that that sounds a bit troublesome <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think it's just the way it goes these days uh <laughs> i should also apologize because on my end you might hear some uh less than than desirable audio quality because i'm not in my usual recording situation but uh yeah i don't know it's a luckily it's it's a free practice so i feel like being kind of half of a shit show is sort of the name of the game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. we
0: Right. Yeah, so let's just uh, let's just go through some of these questions. We asked people on Twitter um, if they had anything they wanted to ask us and we actually got a, a pretty good response. Uh, five or six people responding back. So, uh, thank you, everybody who asked us stuff. And, and I mean, you know, we, we polled. We probably could have like polled Twitter earlier and and maybe gotten more people in on Because this was just like two days before we ended up recording But uh, if you ever have any questions At any time, reach out to us and We might just talk about it on the show Especially if it fits a certain topic
1: Yeah, for sure I mean, the thing is, if people are listening to the podcast They know exactly the type of stuff we love talking about So the more questions, the merrier
0: Yeah uh, To get started, I guess uh, Jumping off the previous podcast we had about Wipeout uh we have a question from andrew i guess this is a weird one to start off with because he's he's definitely trolling us he wants us to argue for three <laughs> hours minimum about what all the wipeout teams all 20 f1 grid drivers would drive for he thinks kimmy is a haramau man uh yeah i i don't even know what to do with this question
1: yeah, that, that is, um, that's a three-part episode series alone. Um, so what I will say, Andrew, is we probably won't answer every single driver. But if I think it, can think of three off the top of my head, um, I'd say Hamilton would probably be Icarus, if we're talking the HD Fury era. Um, fastest ship, uh, most talented pilots, according to the, the lore anyway, when it comes to Icarus. Pfizer um, would be... For me, um, I would have said Vettel before he really started shitting the bed the past <laughs> season or so, in terms of consistency. Um, so we'll go Vettel right up until the... up until last year, basically. Thought he was consistent enough, good drive, and um, did the job. Maybe um, if we're looking at previous F1 drivers as well, like Paul de Resta or something. Somebody who can consistently bring in the laps, but um, when it comes to racing ability, has been faltering a bit recently. And then third for me, um charles leclerc ag systems because ag systems are always the the up and rising team and he seems to be the most one of the most exciting drivers in the grid right now that doesn't have a tendency so to try and punch other drivers sorry max
0: <laughs> well here's here's my issue with this question because i don't i weirdly i know a lot about like ridge racer team lore but i don't know that much about like which teams in Wipeout are supposed to be good and which ones aren't. <laughs> like I have no concept of it. I know that, you know, Icarus has the best craft usually and before that Piranha have a one that was, you know, balanced it was pretty unbalanced. It was mostly like focused on speed, but oftentimes yeah. that would be the best if you could if you could pilot it properly. So like I don't like which teams are supposed to be like the the perennial, like the Ferraris, the, the McLarens of of Wipeout and then which teams are like I don't know, like Haas or whatever, that just kind of show up out of nowhere and, and attract unsavoury sponsors
1: Tigron <laughs> <laughs> they're in so little of the games then they randomly appear in Omega collection again it's like, they're one of those teams that just randomly gets new sponsorship deals and somehow stays afloat
0: yeah, I mean, I guess in that case, I would just, I would just give them Haas's drivers, <laughs> like, without nice. even thinking. Uh, although Andrew does say Grosjean has that ass en- energy, and uh, Nico might accidentally wind up stuck in a 10-year contract to go techie 45. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> the, the other problem with Wipeout is that there's, there's too many teams. I think they got to a point where they, there were yeah. just way too many teams. Like they should have stopped at like, the teams that were in Wipeout three. Should have been the only teams in wipeout for the rest of time.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say, um, especially when, like you're saying, it isn't as if the lore is incredibly in depth for each of the teams anyway. So another random team pops up, it's just like, what purpose do they serve, except for being a slightly worse Piranha or a slightly worse Pfizer or something like that.
0: Well, here's the thing: I, I do remember reading. Uh, when we were doing our Wipeout shows, I was on uh, Wipeout Zone, which is such a great website, and they uh, I was in the wiki, and I was reading about Piranha, and there there were, like, eight paragraphs about the history of Piranha. So, so there is lore to these teams. It's just that unless you seek it out, you wouldn't really know about it. Like, Ridge Racer 4 makes it very clear when you're picking your team, like, uh, Solvaloo is, like, the team with the most championships, and PRC is new, and... Uh, Dig racing team used to be good, but now sucks. And like, they make those things clear, <laughs> but like in Wipeout, you you have to go seek it out. It's not necessarily made made aware to you.
1: I guess it works well for the game because it means that you don't have to get bogged down with all this information. But it would be cool to throw them in the loading screens and stuff in some of the games.
0: Yeah, I would appreciate it. But uh, of course, we we have to mention Brendan uh, as we talk about. Uh, the Pack Racing Club, that we have this awesome commissioned oh, you, yeah. Heather, on our Twitter page, which some of you who ask questions may have seen at this point. Um, it is Brendan and I as drivers for the PRC, which also funnily enough is the exact same initials as the People's Republic of China, and now I can't kind of unlink those in my <laughs> head. Um, but no, we are we are in front of a... What is that that's a uh, terazi troop i want to say yeah the red and yellow one on the cover of the ridge racer 4 uh box and it looks awesome and it was made by Haley mulch uh who's an illustrator comic artist she's really into f1 uh and racing in general uh really really cool stuff and we could not be more thankful uh to her for doing it so so props for that it looks awesome
1: yeah, it looks fantastic, and it's the first piece of art we've had um, outside of the album covers that you do as well, Adam, um, about the podcast, and Haley's done a fantastic job. Um, we absolutely love it, and that's why it's straight onto the Twitter banner. Um, it's, it's really kind of surreal to see us as drivers as well for PRC, given how much we love Ridge Racer Type 4.
0: I know, it's, it's, very, it's very weird, but awesome. I've never had any commissioned work done of me ever, and like... Me in in those overalls is just like so cool to see. Like, really can't can't thank Haley enough. Go follow her on Twitter. She's at Haley Mulch, uh, which is H A Y L E Y M U L C H. There's a lot of really cool F1 stuff. So yeah, definitely check that out.
1: Yeah, and um keep that name in your head as well because there, there might be potential to have her on the podcast. Those discussions are kind of ongoing at the moment, so. Another guest to add to the list, Adam.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I hope she doesn't hate wipeout twenty forty eight. Anyway. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So, very, very cool. I got to go back a couple pages to get back to this, uh, the questions that people are asking. All right. So, um, we also got a question from Fernando Moutinho, who is one of the guys who's always responding to this stuff, uh, friend of the show, always with good questions uh although fernando's asking us if we could talk about f1 esports which is a bit of a problem because i don't really follow f1 esports
1: no me either
0: <laughs> but i did a little bit of research into the way it's organized and it sounds really cool um so so basically they have at least i think the video i watched is from f1 2018 uh when they did at that time but it's like they have like three qualifying events in the beginning of the year, and they they mirror like actual races. So it's like the weekend of Melbourne, and then the weekend of I don't know whatever comes after was that, Shanghai, and then uh, and I don't remember, and then Baku, and then during those weekends they have online events on each console where everyone competes, and you know you get the best time or whatever. And the top six finishers of those events on each platform basically go to this, like, global, you know, playoff, you could say, where they're then racing each other again. They all meet in one place and they all have their, you know, the, the whole, like, dedicated rigs and everything. Um, and then out of the performances there, the teams in F1 actually have their own eSports You know, side teams, contingents, whatever, and they draft the drivers uh, based on the results of that playoff. And I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, that is. That's really, really good idea, to be honest. Keeps it fresh as well, so that one team can't just nab the fastest driver every time. Um, And it's a system that seems to work well in American sports as well when it comes to choosing up young, uprising stars. So it's good to see that influence there as well.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not that different in in concept from like the whole gt sport fia you know you're driving like the manufacturer's cup you're driving for a certain manufacturer but the thing about that is of course you know the manufacturers don't have any direct involvement you just pick the car you want to drive basically and you represent that yeah. manufacturer right so like it's not like you're working it's not like if you're the porsche driver in gt sport in the fia championships you're really having contact with porsche I don't, I don't think it works that way um but this this is really really cool, and I've seen you know I haven't really watched any F1 esports, but it's it's nothing against F1 esports in particular. It's just like I, I really should get into esports because everyone I know now has has something they love. Brendan, I know you're a big Rocket League fan, and, and you actually competed recently, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that actually um, there was the the Scottish National Esports League Finals held at a, a reasonably sized um, exhibition center. Um, me and my team made that we we suffered a crushing defeat but the team that we got beat off of and um, went on to make the finals and it was a fun event to be honest i've never actually had any involvement in esports and it was exciting to be part of that as well so yeah i'm a pretty big esports rocket league fan as you say um properly into the championship series which is like the premier event much like fia's gt sport championships um and i think with esports, like you're saying, once you find something that you like, you can get properly into it. There's no obligation to care about other stuff, like I have no clue how like League of Legends esports work or <laughs> Overwatch League, which seems to run forever. Like every single week it seems like those guys are competing. Um like I'm just properly into the Rocket League side of things and the good thing about that is because it's like a premier series with say like twelve teams at the top, you do hear about all the transfer rumours and stuff and it just, it's just weird to think that's where esports are at now, like, tra- player transfers are a thing, like, it, there's that much money in it now, it's its weird
0: Yeah, I mean, even just the fact that, like, you know, in F1 the, the teams are operating things and they, you go on Twitter, social media and the, the esports teams of those teams have their own, like, social media accounts and, and it's just it's crazy how much it's growing, it's really cool to see, I mean, like This actually ties into uh, another question we're gonna talk about later from uh, Sweet Jones, uh, the Skinny Rage on Twitter, who was uh, asking us if if we participate in GT Sport FIA races. And like, personally, I don't really participate in any uh, racing esports just because I feel like I'm not good enough. Um, I I could try, but I mean, like, it also depends on the game. Like, in the case of Dirt Rally uh dirt rally 2.0 i tried doing some of the community events and i just got so slaughtered like like you know 15 20 seconds too slow (laughs) on like a six or seven minute stage that i'm just like forget it and with those it's like you get one shot and if you screw it up you can't do it again or something um so so yeah I, i tend to keep away from those things just because like i like racing against my friends I like racing online to an extent, but I don't. I wouldn't say it's very competitive for me. It's not a competitive thing, because I'm just I'm just not good enough to be that competitive.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty much in the same boat, Adam. Um, I don't compete in these races, um, purely because I, I just don't feel fast enough. The thing is, um, I'm pretty sure you're probably in the same boat. When you used to play racing games with people you knew round about your neighbourhood or Family members, or whatever, you always felt as if you were like on another level of skill, right? Like nobody could match how good you were, and that's why when online play started, naturally, you would be like, Oh, it's time to prove to everybody how great I am, not realizing that 95% of people online had the same idea. <laughs> so, it was one of those things where I, I genuinely thought I was pretty good at Sims, um, like Gran Turismo, and then when you actually race the guys who are just so good at it, it's just mind blowing, and that kind of eliminates the the competitive side for me because it isn't a case of putting in enough practice to get good. I've just accepted that I just don't have the correct mindset these guys have for extracting milliseconds per lap. I think I've referenced before but like especially qualifying is something that I'm just absolutely terrible at. I just don't know what it is. Like when I'm in a race I can overtake the people who finish above me. Usually in GT sports races I'll overtake like six people during the course of a race. But when it comes to those qualifying paces, like, I'm always at the bottom. It's just one of those weird things I just can't wrap my head around, and that's an example of why when it comes to these hyper-organized esports races, I'm just, I'm not the type of person that can compete in those.
0: Yeah, you bring up an interesting point about GT Sport because I, I don't know why I'm usually... Always in the lower split of whatever category I'm in. Like, if I'm in a given category, I figure sometimes I should be near the top, sometimes. But like, I'm always in the lower, the lower end of the split. So, um, I'm always starting like tenth or something out of like sixteen or twelfth or, yeah. I mean, like, I enjoy the races I get placed into in GT Sport. Usually, when I'm doing a sport race, and 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 the other part of um, of the previous question. You know, it's basically asking us how we feel about GT Sports' ranking system, and as long as you're on that subject, I mean, it's not something I really think about. I feel like, I feel like the issue people tend to have in those cases is with the penalty system more than anything else.
1: <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, GT Sport does do a a great job at managing a sportsmanship and driver rating, um, and it's one of these hard things to measure because as somebody who's terrible at qualifying, I do critique how it basically just. It basically just nullifies any progress I make if I'm bad at qualifying because if I finish like 11th from qualifying and even make my way up to 8th the game still sees that as a pretty poor performance from what I can tell anyway so I don't get many points for that and I'm not saying I should it's just an example of I understand the ranking system is great for people who can be good at both of those elements of racing. It just feels like because I absolutely suck at qualifying that my rank is like permanently stuck on B and three quarters. (laughs) It's like just getting to that A mark, but I just can't nail qualifying enough. And then on the sportsmanship rating, it's it's always going to be a tough line to walk. But I think out of all the games, GT Sport does it pretty damn well. When I I played the beta um, when it first came out, it was really odd seeing an online racer where there wasn't one person trying to cause absolute havoc. Now, what's happened over time in GT Sports' case is that there are people who've become um, masters of the dark arts, so to speak, in the sense that you, you always see the guys who are slightly budging people offline, or darting in and out of the racing line to try and throw people off physically, but then the person who bumps into them gets the penalty, and you see that kind of thing happening more and more, and I've even seen some of the pros complain about that at an FIA level, which isn't optimal. But let's be honest. Like managing, or rather tracking players' car players' car movements, is not something that can be done unless there's a real spotter. Like the the game would be an absolute uh, be all over the place. Basically, if get, if Polyphony tried to implement a system that looked at how people were following driving lanes and stuff, I can just imagine that getting way out of hand.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's something they could ever fully fix w- without the involvement of like an actual steward you know it's it's not it's not going to work um i've seen questions people wondering if like polyphony could utilize ai or some aspect of ai to like make these decisions and, it's and responded. It like a, <laughs> maybe like a gt plan interview or something like that and kaz was just like we are so far away from being able to do that <laughs> like that's that's i mean great in theory but how do you how do you do that today so yeah, I don't know if there's any solution. I mean, it is funny because anytime I talk to people um, about like GT Sports penalty system, they're often saying like, you know, they somehow found a way to make it worse. Like every update makes it worse, and. i I don't know if that's true i think it might just be like you get used to the way a penalty system is and then like they change it so now you have to relearn the rules uh but relearning the rules basically keeps everyone on their toes i think that's why it gets changed so much because i mean they want to obviously like force people to um you know they want they want to refine the penalty system so that it's punishes the right things and doesn't punish people who are who have been punished by our drivers themselves and and you know doles out um doles out repercussions responsibly but i think also just by changing it as often as they do they just they just make you kind of be like you know what just maybe i'll just stay on the track and not chance it because i don't know what it's going to do this time <laughs> if i, go off track and if, I yeah. if i drop three wheels or something like that and i lose time and yet still i get a penalty because i was on the inside or something
1: yeah it's, i mean as far as i can tell um, the last penalty system they implemented was like, the, it was like anti-DRS zones, so that they'd kind of nominated a part of the track where you serve your penalty. I think that's the way it was when I raced last when the Goodwood track came out. And, like, I wasn't aware that was the case, so for like half of the lap before I kept slowing down trying to serve my penalty and nothing was happening. <laughs> it just dropped like four places beforehand, and I was like, well, I probably should have looked into that before racing. Um the thing is, like, GT Sport was such a risk when it came out, because it's prioritising the online racing, and the fact that it seems to be a resounding positive now, the online racing element of the game, that, that that's good for polyphony, like, they, they implemented a system that obviously does have its kinks and annoyances, such as the penalty system stuff, um, how penalties are dished out, but it doesn't seem to harm the longevity of the game, because there's still a dedicated community of players there, and not just at the top level, like, we're talking Across the board you can find races in pretty much any race category fairly easy on the game, still. And that's a a far cry from the initial reaction of the game that everybody spelled doom and gloom for the series because it was ditching its roots. We've heard through the grapevine that GT7 will try and incorporate sport rather than make that the focus, and I think that would be good for everybody.
0: Yeah, it would. I mean, I'm surprised that you know, in their first time out they did it pretty well. Uh, personally, I'm also always on that cusp of being A, I feel like, but not quite making it, so I'm stuck at B level, but, I mean, the, the drivers that I encounter usually always pretty, like, it, it has fostered this community of drivers that, like, actually is, uh, quite sportsmanlike. you know, they don't do things that make them look bad, as, uh, as Tom says in the beginning of the game when you start. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, uh... It's worked out well, and I'm—I mean—I'm excited for a GT7 that uh, potentially just makes sport a factor in a larger traditional Gran Turismo experience. Because I—I I tend to play these games for uh, you know in a single-player context for the most part, but still, I mean, no issues with it.
1: No, none here either. I think it's doing as a great a job as it can at this point in time, and Polyphony are just going to keep improving it into the next game. I think.
0: So with that, I uh, should go to another question. Um, this I love this one. Uh, it's from BenFact. I really want to hear a conversation about Vanishing Point and Test Drive Overdrive. And I love this question because for whatever reason, like, I don't know, like six months ago, I played Vanishing Point for like five hours one day. Like, I just like, on the Dreamcast, I think it's because I, I discovered that I had a copy of Vanishing Point when I thought I had sold the game, so I just played it for forever, and I don't usually, <laughs> wow. like, when I go back and play old games, I usually play games I like, I usually don't play Vanishing Point, which should tell you something about my feelings about Vanishing Point, but uh, but before I get into it, Brendan, have you played either of these games?
1: Yeah, so Vanishing Point, um, I-, I distinctly remember playing this quite a lot, purely because I just returned from, like, a... A holiday away with my family to spain and um for whatever reason i bought vanishing point in the airport on the way home oh my god (laughs) and like i got home and like i just for for, like a week i played it convinced that i would start to like it at some point um but it's not a bad game by any means it's just um it's one of these ones i think some people will absolutely have great memories about it and that's why it sticks in their head not too dissimilar to what i've just said but I don't think that anybody w- would reference it as a glowing point of the genre. Um, Test Drive Overdrive. I haven't played, but I distinctly remember seeing it in stores because of that <laughs> Brotherhood of Speed tagline, which is just like so early two thousands at hurts.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So Vanishing Point. Um, I actually, I, I, don't, I don't hate the game. I, the first time I played, I really didn't like it. Um, I, I mean, I remember. <sighs> must have rented the game back in like 2000 or whenever it came out and I didn't like it back then you know I was obviously very young uh when I got my Dreamcast like when I got a, a u- not a use, but like when I got the Dreamcast off eBay you know it was new but this was like 2009 so a lot later on uh Vanishing Point was one of the first games I picked up uh just because you could find it pretty cheaply and uh it was a yeah. racing game that I wanted to give another shot and it's it's strange because it's like very I've never played a game like this before that's focused so much around like like stunt driving but isn't necessarily like it's not stunt man you know you're not doing like missions yeah. to like I mean there is a, there are challenges where you're trying to like do this jump or or like there's like these figure eights that you're trying to do like a barrel roll and complete the figure eight in a certain amount of time. There, there are stunt challenges like that, but they're not. You know, it's it's not like you're in the movie and you're a stunt man, for example. And it's the the closest thing I can liken it to. It, it was almost like they acclaim. Um, I think the developer was Clockwork, and I don't remember anything yeah. else they worked on, but like, Clockwork is almost like they played Crazy Taxis challenges, oh, and they're like, I'm we're going to make to a game. That. Yeah, we're going to make a game based around. Which, like, Crazy, Tra- Crazy Taxis challenges are excellent. Uh, but I, the issue I have with Vanishing Point is that the physics are a little too floaty and inconsistent, and it's like you're. It's like you're driving a car that's also in water. Like, it's really... I've never played a game like this before. It's like they they really want to play up the body roll and the weight transfer, which is usually something I like. You, you get that kind of push and pull, that, that tension when you're driving the car. But in Vanishing Point, it just ends up making you always feel skittish and unsure, which is, I think, my issue with the game. But uh, Yeah that said there there is like a racing component too like there's a there's a mode where it's really weird because it's like you start in like 60th place or something like that and you have to get your way you have to get as high up as you can but it's it's almost like need for speed The run uh except for the fact that like you're not actually driving against 60 air cars at any given time the game just loads four of them in front of you and you pass <laughs> those four and there are four so it's not like you have 60 car grids um but it's like this weird yeah. cross between uh uh you know the run and like uh tokyo extreme racer that 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 aspect of the game i don't find is interesting but but just the whole existence of vanishing point i think is really weird because like it came out of nowhere and i remember it was very very like prominently heavily advertised at least like in magazines and stuff in the u.s it was all over the place but i don't i think it bombed
1: yeah, I mean we did not ever get a sequel and what you were saying about it being advertised heavily, some quotes off of the back of the box, I quite like bringing these up because they, they tend to be a good laugh. Um, Gamesmaster says that it had the most realistic handling yet seen in a racing game. The selection of cars is truly outstanding. <laughs> um... I mean, the thing about the selection of cars point is that there were some...
0: It's actually pretty amazing. ...that I really like. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it's actually, like, my favourite thing about the game. Because they're like the regular cars where you have, like, you know, you get your Audi TT and your Mustang and one Supra stuff from the day. But then they have secret cars, and the secret cars are, like, 1996 Mercury Cougar. Like, <laughs> shit, shit that you would only see today in, like, a junkyard somewhere in in the states and it's like i i love that these awful awful horrible like body on frame fords are like in this game for some reason it's i I don't know i just think it's really funny
1: i'm pretty sure there's a camry in there as
0: well (laughs) probably a camry yeah the the secret cars i have to look up i have to look up now a list of the secret cars in vanishing point because it's it's absolutely ridiculous um so did you like? So, so what were your feelings on the game then? As as I looked these up, did you like? Were you happy with it, or do you just remember it as that thing you just picked up on the whim in an airport?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean the the crazy box or vanishing box, whatever the hell they call it. <laughs> um, challenges were probably the thing I remember most. Um, I remember the track design being not too bad as well. Um, it, everything about the game I felt was really well made and fun, but I felt as if the handling engine almost tried to like nullify that because i wouldn't quite say it was realistic as games master have proudly proclaimed in that quote but um i would say that they definitely tried to give it a bit of weight and um complexity essentially so that it wasn't just any other arcade racing game you did have to try and learn how the cars handled in that game specifically much like you would in a sim but the game also tried its hardest to be like a kind of off the cuff arcade race, so you could have fun with. So I felt as if the handling engine was almost at odds with the the attitude of the rest of the game.
0: It was it was supposed to be. To me, it felt like this game very much wanted you to have fun, but also like no, you need to really get in tune with these cars to the point where, yeah. you know, they're doing things you don't want them to and you need to rein them in and you need to really understand them. And yeah, it, it did kind of seem contradictory because it wasn't a game It, in spite of the way it may have looked. It was not a game you could just jump into and have a good time. Um, you, you really had to work at it. Once I did work at it, I enjoyed it more, but, um, but yeah, I, I did find the list of, of these secret cars and, and among the secret cars there, there's a Ford Taurus, uh from 94 um ford ranger truck uh 1964 ford thunderbird they really had a lot of fords in this game um and the ford windstar which is a minivan uh lincoln town (laughs) car mercury sable wagon i think was my favorite because it's definitely like the saddest car out of all of them um because just the, the the fords and mercuries from that time period were so terrible there was one more... Oh, there's a Volkswagen Microbus, 1971. So, yeah, some funny cars in this game.
1: And to be honest, that, that's what makes it stand out for me, those secret cars. Um, obviously, like you're saying, the Audi TT and stuff were, were in there, but it was those secret cars that really gave the game a bit of personality, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just a fun thing to revisit every now and then. It's not one of my favourite racing games, but... Uh, you know, on the Dreamcast, it's the Dreamcast, as as you know, we've devoted the whole series to has such a uh, eclectic mix, uh, one might say, of racing games. It has a lot of racing games, and they're all very different. And vanishing yeah. points, kind of, you know, it definitely plays a role in that. Um, and I can definitely say more about it than Test Drive Overdrive, which, God, I I played that I played that once, probably in like 2002 or 2003, whenever it came out, and uh, never touch it again. And at first I didn't know what it was because I didn't realize that this was just Test Drive in the U.S. Had a totally different cover. Did not say Brotherhood of Speed. It just had, like, this weird, like, Dodge Charger doing a wheelie on the cover. And then, like, Test Drive in Graffiti Tech. So they were definitely going for, like, the the Need for Speed Underground, uh, Street Racing Syndicate. They were trying to win over those fans. But this was, like, the last... I'm pretty sure this was like the last traditional test drive like game in the series. I think I think the series kind of died here. Oh wow! <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> That's grim. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, like I said, I've, I've never played it. I, I've seen I've seen of it, but never actually played it myself. So the thoughts are fairly limited here.
0: Test Drive is a very, very strange series. I mean, well, we talked about Test Drive Lama, and I'm not even necessarily including that, because that's not, you know, that's not really Test Drive the same way that, you know, Test Drive v. Rally isn't. The, the Test Drive brand was kind of extended from infograms to to all of these different uh, properties, depending on what they thought was most marketable. But, but Test Drive is, like, the core series, which I look at as, like, the games that were developed by Pitbull Syndicate, uh, so, like, you know, there were a lot of them on, like, the, the on the PlayStation 1, I think it was, like, 4 or 5, 6 was on the Dreamcast, 6 was probably on PlayStation 1 as well, and then, uh, this, Test Drive Overdrive, there, I, I never quite understood why people bought these games, or why they were successful, because they always seemed really of questionable quality, like... Maybe, maybe Overdrive's actually better. I mean, like, I'm looking at screenshots of it, and it looks like it might be better than the previous entries, but, like, God, I remember I had Test Drive 5 on the PS1. I got it as a gift, and I'm just like, this is... It, it's definitely, like, the ugliest racing game I've ever played. Because, <laughs> like, all the car models are so off. Like, I've never played a game that we're just like, yeah, if you, like, squint your eyes uh, and maybe look at a corner of it that maybe looks like a Dodge Viper but otherwise it just looks like some grotesque melty thingy uh and the track designs weird it always to me it always seemed like discount need for speed like if i wanted the worst yeah. need for speed and to also spend less money i would find test drive probably uh in the discount bin at a given uh GameStop or EB Games so
1: and I guess that's why uh, Test Drive also died out, because now if you want a subpar need for speed experience, you can just buy the real thing. <laughs> so, I, love the <laughs> I love the shade. I love the shade.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking at like Metacritic for Test Drive Overdrive, and um, the PS2 and Xbox One's got 73, 71 out of 100, which uh, definitely ties into something that we've been talking about lately, uh, which is that we want to do a series on seven out of 10 racers. Uh, yes. both of these games seem like they are perfect for the seven out of 10 racers discussion. Uh, but I also don't know if I'm going to revisit these specifically. So this, this might actually be like the backdoor pilot for seven out of 10 racers. Cause I'll probably <laughs> yeah. never play these games again. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of the series. I suppose it's trying to force each other to, to at least give it a go. Um, It'll be interesting to see how we we set about that series because it, it'd be good for example if one person has a 7 out of 10 racer and they love it for whatever reason and then try to convince the other person why it's even worth bringing up. <laughs> so It's like, why are you talking about penny racers Brendan? And I'd be like, oh X, Y and Z. So like, I think that could be a cool way to bounce off of each other. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for what it's worth, I'd much rather go and and find the copy of Test Drive Overdrive than play Penny Racers because wow. you've, you've been trying to convince. Well, you've been trying to convince <laughs> me of this for a long time, and I look at screenshots of them, just like I just don't think that that's something I would I would have fun with. Shocks, um, shocks, definitely. But for you, I think shocks isn't seven out of ten. Shocks is probably like a uh, probably perfect. Score. Eleven out of ten. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> shocks is so good that the they basically killed the A Sports big that was their their final crescendo
0: (laughs) right I, i i don't i don't want to bring it all the way back to test drive but i have to say i have the uh the wikipedia entry for this game up on my screen right now and uh i'm just i'm so engrossed by the story uh did you know that you took control of a character named dennis black a san franciscan street racer who races an exclusive street racing club on behalf of another street racer named Donald Clark, who was injured during a race? Oh no! <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> they're so organized. The street yeah. racers, like, oh, like you're injured. I'll like sub in for you. I'll be your alternate.
1: I've also um I've looked up the <laughs> the game case, and on the back it says, um, as you've just said, you're Dennis Black, independent street racer, and you've been asked to prove yourself. A cardinal invite to prove yourself on the street racing illegal scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that come in like a nice envelope with a <laughs> you know, the heart sticker on it and just like you've been cordially invited.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's it. Apparently there's sixteen opponents who get in your head and will do anything to win.
0: As well. So Well, I mean as as any as any opponent should. Um so so I guess at a certain point, uh Dennis Black wins against against a driver. I, I don't know, I guess an important one. I'm just <laughs> does, jumping. Does it not I'm jumping halfway <laughs> down. I mean, uh, who, who is it? Um, he, uh, he's trying to beat one of the club's most ruthless racers. So, no, Wikipedia does not say the name <laughs> of this driver. Uh, well, well, the rumors are proven true, and, and Clark... Uh, oh, I'm getting all the names. You know, they couldn't kind of have picked up, like, they they couldn't have chosen more different names than Donald Clark and Dennis Black. I mean they're they're interchangeable. Donald uh, Clark. Anyway, at the end of the game, the the, the two the two protagonists I guess, uh, Black and Clark, uh, race for the custody of a Dodge Viper. Um and at the end of the game, you win the Viper, you know, if you beat the game. However, it is later revealed that Clark intends to have the Viper stolen from Black. Oh, no. But this goes unresolved. <laughs> <Just> the court
1: <laughs> ruled. There was no evidence say the
0: way. The synopsis just ends. This goes unresolved.
1: So that was the, the cliffhanger for the sequel
0: yeah yeah never got made i'm i'm sorry ben fact if you if you really like test drive overdrive um but it, in fairness like a lot of all these street racers had like really stupid plots like i really like need for Speed most wanted i think that's a generally very highly regarded like almost like the peak of the street racer boom but that game had the absolute stupidest story and and was all fmvs so so definitely no game is is Innocent from this time period, no no racing yeah. game is innocent of this stuff.
1: I think um, one of the, the greatest examples of that is just like their their whole advertising campaign and um, how the game looked. It was just like so stupid and retrospective. And at the time, people might have thought that was cool. <laughs> um, one of the things this has actually brought into my head though is a potential topic for a future episode is what games have the most ridiculous back of the box blurbs because when it comes to racing games there's so many like out there ones that are just ridiculous <laughs> like this one for example
0: yeah I, I think the early 2000s especially were very conducive to this type of stuff because just everyone just trying to top everyone else like I remember Street Racing Syndicate definitely had like like a hot import night's babe on the cover <laughs> and as a, kid, as a kid seeing that like, I was still pretty young, like, I wasn't, like, you know, I, had, I hadn't I had even hit puberty yet, so that wasn't anything that would interest me, instead it just kind of, like, disgusted me, and I was like, <laughs> ew, like, it's kind of, that's weird. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, yeah, and I, I could have sworn, was, did Juiced have some, like, controversy around it, it or something it like that?
1: Yeah. Um, I think there was, like, a commercial where a car dro- drove by so quick it ripped a woman's clothes off or something um oh, the, ty- the type of controversy you'd expect from the era um i believe right. that was it yeah
0: yeah i almost thought it was um did you ever hear the weird story about now we're getting really off topic but the uh, bmx triple x oh yeah you
1: know yeah yeah, I've
0: heard of yeah <laughs> i thought, yeah i had thought for some reason it was something like that but actually it was not as bad as uh bmx triple x but
1: yeah, I think um, that game takes the biscuit for the controversy. Um, it's it, sorry to bring it back to test drive again, but have a look at the image I've just posted in
0: the Discord. All right, what is this? <laughs> a- oh, oh, is this from? This is from the uh, the instruction booklet, and it's describing all the characters. Right? Yeah, is
1: unfortunately it's in German, but look at that character design,
0: man. Donald Clark. Yeah, I mean he definitely looks like a guy named Donald Clark. Uh, <laughs> He drives the Concept Viper, which is just the Viper, uh, the Viper GTSR concept from 2001. That's really funny. (laughs) Oh, man. Skeeter Grimshaw is definitely the best name here. Skeeter Grimshaw.
1: Or Big T, driving his 2001 Corvette.
0: I like how none of the cars that that these people drive have years next to them, except for Big T's <laughs> Corvette, which they feel the need to tell you is from 2001.
1: Yeah, I also like how like everyone else's cars are at least a bit reasonable to own, but then Donald Clark's just like here's a concept viper that shouldn't be drivable in real life.
0: It's because he's Donald Clark. He's he runs the whole. He he pulls the strings. Yeah, there's no way he's it's, the it's bad guy. It's his operation. Either these are all like what i love too is like what what was it from this time period that like there had every character in the racing game like this had to be some ridiculous stereotype (laughs) like you got your you got your white businessman you got lisa lux looks like she's probably like this um, is um, charlie yeah or like an adult an adult star or something like that or or a model big t is just you know probably this like I mean, he's like this grossly overweight guy who they probably made Hispanic or something like that. Skeeter Grimshaw is, I don't know what the hell he is. Reese Weston is exactly the type of person you would expect would be driving a Camaro, and uh, then the Jaguar, uh, the guy in the Jaguar XJ is Nels von Stat, which is, uh, he looks like he was from a hair like a German hair metal band. Yeah,
1: I think the the description. I don't know German, but I think it says Dutch Playboy on the second mm-hmm. line.
0: Yes. <laughs> so. There yeah. You go. The horrible stereotypes in this game, and um, I mean, it was it was unavoidable. I guess really, it's it was back. It was a time where they felt like every racing game needed to have a story, and we, it just was so. I'm glad. I'm glad we've moved on to a point where I mean, now racing games like barely ever get made. But when they do get made, we we don't have to sit through this.
1: nice no, I mean, this is. You're right. It was so indicative of the era. For some reason, everybody was determined to crack that that like that case of making a racing game with a good storyline. And I mean, you get attempts at are racing evolution, and then you get stuff like this. And I'm not saying either of those are great. I just mean like there was this like weird pass off between does circuit racing or street racing make for better stories? And then I think, ironically, Need for Speed probably had the best idea about it. When it was just a case of you need to race these guys. Here's some short thirty-second videos introducing them, and just go play the game.
0: Gotta okay, get through that blacklist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, these are all these are all great topics, that we we could definitely spin out into like longer shows. But um, but yeah, we should uh, we should probably move on. Uh, I I like this question a lot too. Uh, from Rn the Andrian. Uh, favorite Japan-only racing games and favorite fictional team liveries? The Japan-only racing games question I like a lot because I know exactly uh, what I'd answer, and that is Racing Lagoon. Have you ever played that? Mm,
1: I haven't actually. Give me a a breakdown of that.
0: It is nuts. So so Racing Lagoon is a street racing RPG made by Squaresoft. Only Mm. came out in Japan. Was on the PS1. It was like a late, late generation ps1 game and um it's just it's awesome like i i've emulated it and i've played it unfortunately because it's an rpg and it's in japanese it's it's very tough to play you know to experience at its fullest if you don't know the language but um it's kind of like a it feels it feels a lot like street racing games from the day it doesn't do the whole like like battle system thing that um that TXR does, the Tokyo Highway Battle. But, um, it, you know, you're kind of racing on those roads and stuff like that, and there are certain, you know, you do encounter like, uh, like certain other drivers. Um, but there's like an overworld too. So, like, when you're actually, like, driving, it, it, it has an open world, but on top of that, it has this kind of, like, really cool, like, top down, like, almost like, you know, when you're playing, like, super mario brothers or something like that and you know you're looking world 1-1 world 1-2 world 1-3 where you're like this miniature car and you're driving through the city at night trying to find other cars to race against it's like it's super like everyone always says you know like talk about like grand Charismo and forza being car pgs but this is definitely the closest to a true rpg that i've ever seen like a racing game and and you you know, you upgrade your vehicles in the same way. It's it's very RPG style of progression, and the music's fantastic. It's just like, it's something I'm amazed like never never was attempted again. I mean, I would've just settled if they ported that one, or, to, or not ported, if they um, localized it for the US, cause I would've loved to play that game. But uh, it's such a cool idea because it really just takes a whole street racing thing uh, to like it's like most JRPG level.
1: That actually sounds incredibly interesting, especially when we've just discussed some of the Western developers' attempts at trying to imprint something outside of racing in a racing game. This one sounds like it actually does it pretty well, especially if you're giving it such a glowing recommendation. I'm surprised it didn't even get considered to be ported over here.
0: Yeah, well, the other thing about 2, though, is that like it's not just... It's not just the premise of the game. Like it, the handling is great. Like it's like the physics are excellent, and I'm really surprised because like Square is not a company that ever developed racing games. So yeah. how they were able to come up with a, a handling model that was like that, you know, you know, it's pretty not not realistic at all, but just a lot of fun. And uh, the game doesn't even have, as far as I, it does not have licensed cars. They don't they don't license any of the vehicles. They're all Japanese, as you might expect, but and they're all based on they're all based on real cars. But there is this excellent video on YouTube um, of someone or a couple people streaming Racing Lagoon and apparently what you can do once you get to a certain point in that game is you can race modify your cars almost like you would in like Gran Turismo 1 or 2 or something like that. But in Racing Lagoon the race modification without fail like almost always turns the car into a group C version of itself. So you end oh, right. up with these ridiculous, and, and the and the car list is all over the place. So you end up with like Mitsubishi Mirage Group C cars with like, you know, long tails and shit like that. And like, if you if you have like um, I think the Daihatsu midgets in that game, and you can actually make a racing version of the Daihatsu midget that's like mid-engine. It's it's totally wild. Some of the cars just end up end up looking like these Frankenstein abominations at like. are are just ridiculous and some of them look great but it's it's very strange i I have to i have to find like a picture of one of the cars and send it to you as we're talking about this because it's it's you you've never seen anything like it
1: (laughs) it sounds incredible like i'm actually a bit gutted that i haven't been able to play this
0: yeah yeah the the stuff they do with the car list is just insane but um it's really cool and it's easy it's easy enough to emulate um you know because it's a ps1 game so you're not you're not really needing particularly powerful hardware to do it but um but as i look this up uh is there a japan only racing game comes to, to your mind
1: um i mean this is a bit of an odd one because when it comes to japan only racing games i haven't had too much experience with them um but one of the ones that I actually really enjoyed playing, and it wasn't because of the racing, because it was pretty primitive, was, um, and I'm going to butcher this name here uh, Bakoso Dekotora Denistisu 2. <laughs> That's my attempt at it. I don't know and what basically, that is. <laughs> so essentially, um, there was a craze in Japan at one point about decorating huge trucks with loads of crazy. Oh, 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 the yeah, yeah. so Yeah, okay, yeah, now I know what
0: you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that so like on the PlayStation 1, there was a game where you could like choose a dump truck, a massive rig, whatever you wanted, and just decorate it to look absolutely mental. And that was the most fun part of the game. That's what I remember doing the most when I did play it back on the PlayStation 1. Because the racing itself is, um, it's not even, it's not really racing. It was like this weird lane change type of game you probably know what I'm talking about from the racing games way way back but essentially you just moved between lanes to keep the the truck driving but the actual act of creating the truck was the fun part and the reason this is my choice is because it's pretty much my only exposure to a Japanese only racing game initially I was going to say Pepsi Man but I didn't think it would qualify but Pepsi Man always maybe, qualifies.
0: Maybe not I mean yeah I know you're a big Pepsi Man fan well how, well, how, how did how did you discover it? Pepsi Man or this truck game? No, no, not, not Pepsi Man. Not, forget Pepsi <laughs> um, Man.
1: How can we... For- <laughs> um, yeah, I basically, uh, I used to have a guy <laughs> who would provide random PlayStation 1 games um, through sl- n- not slightly legal methods. Um, basically just hand you like 20 discs of games and this was one of them. That's basically it. And I was so confused at first because I had no clue what i was actually doing and then once i got the hang of it it was actually really fun and um yeah for, for the playstation one it was actually fairly in depth so I, I would recommend having a look at it purely for how crazy it is i just seen you posted that car in the group
0: yeah yeah so what i want you to do is click on that video it should it should start at the right time you should see a green hatchback uh it looks like a nissan hatchback or ah. something like that for a long time. and look at what happens to it
1: oh my god that is incredible.
0: Yeah, so so they've basically <laughs> turned it into like this sort of like long like they completely wow. they completely get rid of the fact that this is a hatchback. They move the engine to the middle, yeah. and they stretch it about like four feet and they make it into a Lamar racer. And they do this with all the cars. Um, it gets really ridiculous. They do it they do the exact same thing to an Alpine A one ten. Like, it's it's nuts, um, and I know oh, this it looks so fun. <laughs> this isn't great podcast, father, because you can't see it. But um, maybe we'll attach a we'll attach this link in the bo- in the uh, description of the episode, and you can go watch this video. because yeah. you've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, Racing Lagoon so is really good. really cool. If there was some kind of like probably be too hard to do, but if there was some kind of English patch, I'd be all over it because uh, it's it is really like you, you know how like the initial D games are you know they're, they're they're good you know they're, they're mostly in the arcades it's just like the mountain battle style but like initial d is this franchise and world with all of these characters and stuff but you're not really like you're not really immersed in that world you're just kind of like racing as those characters like as avatars like this to me yeah. seems like if you were to take you know a manga or an anime series like that you fleshed it out into like a truly like This like all-encompassing environment and and all the lore was there and there's a story like open world it's it's really an amazing concept uh but also the the music is also really good and uh if you if you know racing lagoon you know i've probably put the uh, a couple songs from the games in or from the game in a couple episodes that we've had time extend
1: so a little easter egg for those fans
0: yeah, yeah, just throwing that out there. It was around the time that I played the game and, like, discovered it and was like, this is so perfect. I need to, uh, need to give it some love, so. It, like, the soundtrack is, like, it's, like, Ridge Racer 4-esque, like, kind of, like, not not quite as good, but definitely along those same lines and just the whole, like, aesthetic of the game and the fact that it was, like, a late, like, I think it came out in 98 or 1999, so, like, it's a late... PS1 release and around the same time as as, you know, R4 and Wipeout 3 and all those games that were really like taking such amazing advantage of the hardware, so
1: In this game, um, I've just had a, a look at the Wikipedia page and listened to this for Edgy. The game story follows a new member of a street racing team in Yokohama, Japan as he tries to learn about his forgotten past and a mysterious race that took place ten years prior to the game's opening.
0: Here's the thing, though. That sounds awesome. Like, I'm (laughs) all about that. I'm not, you know... This guy... This isn't Donald Black, so...
1: (coughs) No, that's true. Yeah, I I want to learn
0: all about uh, the five-member team led by the ace, Iki Fujisawa.
1: I just want to see this made into an anime now, to be honest.
0: Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I really jazz techno fusion soundtrack i i just wonder like why just like never made out of japan because it just seemed like it i mean racing Lagoon's a weird name when i first i don't know how i even found out this game existed but when i did i was like what what the hell's a racing lagoon um but honestly within just like that's the thing is like unfortunately we can't you know we, we can't really get all the enjoyment out of the story and whatnot it's it's hard to play because the language barrier but like if you just do the single races like they're pretty fun because you know the game is structurally physically sound as well so definitely give it a shot if uh if a 1999 playstation uh street racing game has any interest for you
1: that's just time extend all over
0: pretty much yeah and uh we're getting kind of long in the show, so I have a couple more questions, but don't want to spend too much time on this. But, uh, favorite fictional team liveries? I mean, Pack Racing Club. It's gotta be. That's, that's who we are now.
1: Yeah, exactly. That that, that question falls perfectly <laughs> into this image being released. So, um, yeah, I would say PRC is right up there. And then, um, ind- individually, for me, I've always loved the. In- you will disagree here of course um, the Raven West
0: uh,
1: cows. oh Raven West um, the, the, the lads
0: <laughs> it just doesn't mean it just doesn't really mean anything for me it's just like they spend the whole game trying to make you hate that team because they're always good and it's just like I don't care it's just like you guys drive a boring black car or grey car around doesn't...
1: hey I'll have you know they have stripes on that
0: oh the stripes oh, Okay, I forgot about the stripes <laughs>
1: And uh, Nathan McCain, of course, um, being the top driver for Raven West, who is a total arsehole. I'm surprised you don't remember him.
0: Nathan McCain. Yeah, I don't I don't remember him at all. I, I to be honest, like, Well, I mean, do you ever, like... Like, has he ever come up in the story, or do you just hate him because he's always at the top of the leaderboard?
1: Uh, he, a bit of both. He was, always, like, he was always at the top, but whenever you did the 1v1 races, he would purposely try and crash you out.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Wow, what a jerk. I mean, they're coming yeah, back in the new grid, right? It's Raven West is uh, returning?
1: Yeah, they are. I, I <laughs> don't know what it is about this.
0: Oh, well, you suddenly don't sound game. happy about West anymore. No, I,
1: I mean, I'm Should... happy they're coming back. I just mean, in general, this new grid game, It's I don't know, it's leaving me a wee bit cold for some reason. It's, um,
0: yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah,
1: Something we'll discuss when it actually comes out, of course. Um, don't want to say anything yet until I actually play it, but... I don't know. There's just something that seems to be. I can't. I really can't put my finger on it. I think it's just when it was announced as a, a reboot that, like, already kind of hindered my expectations because that almost feels like a, a, a crutch to rely on should the game not excel in certain areas that the previous ones did.
0: I just think the concept of a reboot in a racing game franchise <laughs> is like, what is that? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like. I mean, grid three was not good. Did grid two have any relationship to grid one in terms of like, was like, was Raven West even in grid two? Like,
1: no, I don't think so. Um, yeah,
0: so I was like, they could have just call this grid three, and that would have been fine. But instead, they've. I mean, grid one definitely has like, uh, you know, a lot of. it's I think it's the one that more people play, and so yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that later. um I do, I, I should say, you know, Pfizer's livery, obviously, is great. We're, we're both we're both big Pfizer fans. Um, and, you know, somebody uh, responded to when we put our banner up, and, uh, you know, it was a PRC livery, and they're like, what, no love for Racing Team Solvalu? And I will say, uh, so, you know, Solvalu was the team that I always, like, drove as when I was playing Ridge Racer for back in the day. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean... The delivery is very simple it's just like gray with blue stripes so like i i do like that team a lot but like to me it's not like the best designed. i think that's why we chose prc too because we wanted something that was a little bit more colorful and like not the thing not the car that everyone has seen on the cover of the r4 box like the prc car is still there but like it's like in second place it's in the background so
1: yeah exactly if anything time extends about giving shout-outs to
0: those lesser things. So right. PRC right. gets top
1: billing.
0: That's what we're about. Uh, Alright. Uh, last question got here from Tor Eric Melkevik. Mul- Sorry if I butchered ni- your name. I tend to do that with everyone. Um, do you use Gran Turismo as a car shopping guide only to realize that all the cool, cheap K-cars actually aren't for sale in your reason? <laughs> uh, I, I definitely use it as a car shopping guide. I always have and I yeah, I tell other people too, um. Yeah, I mean K cars are literally like the furthest thing from from something you can buy in the U.S. Brendan, you might have better luck, but I mean, frankly, those the uh, most of those K cars never make it out of Japan. Yeah, we, we get the the boring shit ones. Um, <laughs> Do you get Daihatsu? They sold Daihatsu in the U.K. right?
1: Uh, I mean, they did at one point for a little while, but um. They aren't. They were never anywhere near as prevalent to say that if you wanted one, you could go out and buy them. So I suppose that that should be a really interesting topic um, t- to do a bit of research on because I do remember seeing some Daihatsus, but it wasn't as if whenever I was at a car dealership or whatever, I would see them for sale. Outside of the, the horrific hatchback ones that would get sold, can't even remember the model name. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, So I've, some key cars were here, but nothing, nothing exciting.
0: I've never seen. A K car in, in the flesh. I don't think I uh, when I went to the uh, New York Auto Show, they had like the World Cars of the Year in like the basement. Like the, I guess whoever, whoever makes that decision of what the best car of the year is around the world, uh, there was a Suzuki Jimny down there, which is not a K car. It's it's bigger than that, but it's also smaller than like, a Jeep Renegade probably. So. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. And they do not sell the Jimny in the US, uh, which is a shame because that car is awesome. It's like, yeah, it's I really mean, it's good. literally a box with like a lawnmower engine that <laughs> can go off road and cost like like eight thousand dollars. So I'm um, I'm all about that.
1: I love how the design stayed basically the same as well for all the years. They've given a slight facelift, but in the most part, it still holds that Jimny design, which is a commitment to how good it looks.
0: Yeah, I mean, why change it, right? There's, uh, there's no yeah, reason exactly. to change it. Um, I mean, the coolest K car ever has got to be the Autozam AZ1, right?
1: Yes, for
0: sure. For so sure. so weird. Just like a, a tiny Ferrari with gullwing doors, like. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think that culture will ever be better than like, mid mid 90s or early 90s like Japan, like what they were pumping out of that like wise at least was just like that was the peak. I, I don't I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again.
1: No, every photo you look at of the AZ1 it looks amazing. Like there's not many cars I would say that's the case, but oh man, what a nice car.
0: First time I ever drove the AZ one was in um, Sega GT. Because it was yeah. it was in Sega GT and I was like this thing is weird. Um and, and the other thing about Sega GT is, you know, we had a whole episode about it I almost forgot. Is that it's horrible and all the cars are undrivable, but the K cars are easy to drive because they're like 40 (laughs) horsepower and front wheel drive, so.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's the only one you can actually reliably have a go at. Right. Apparently, Jay Leno's got an AZ one as well. Imagine Jay Leno in that car.
0: (laughs) So, is this. So, you just (laughs) sent me a picture of an AZ one in between. I love this because it's definitely done in the US because it's sitting in between a Chevy Silverado and a Ford F-250, and it is the smallest thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, it's- The AZ-1 could
0: probably fit in the bed of those trucks. Yeah. Just. I would think. I mean, it's possible. I just love it, it has two seats. How are two people gonna fit inside that thing? It's impossible. (laughs) When I got my Fiesta, everyone in my family made fun of me because they're like, well, I guess you can't drive us anywhere anymore. Like, people in my family aren't like fat or overweight, they're just like average sized people. So I can only imagine. Yeah. If you have an AZ1, you can't have many friends, I guess. I
1: would love to have an AZ1 with like one seat in the front. (laughs) <laughs> in the middle, like the McLaren F1. Can you imagine how cool that would be? That'd
0: be great. I mean, you'd basically be sitting in a go kart at that point—a go kart, a go kart <laughs> with a Ferrari shell—and that's that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool premise. I can get behind that. Yeah,
1: this is definitely one of the coolest cars ever.
0: I would say. Well, that's uh, those are all the questions we were asked, and uh, it's been about an hour, so we should probably put a cap on the show.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't expect all the questions to, to last an hour, but we seem to always say this when we've got like one topic to Dude, go into we conversation. Can, we with. can stretch anything out <laughs> we can stretch
0: anything out into an hour, apparently. It's not it's it's not very difficult for us. I mean I I mostly blame uh test drive Brotherhood of Men or whatever the hell it was called, I can't remember.
1: See, that's the beauty of it. Who would have thought that game of everything <laughs> would the most prominent <laughs> conversation, so thank you for that question. only only
0: on time extend. <laughs> yes thank you so much I mean I, I may play it after all uh,
1: <laughs> that's why it's a 7 out of 10 racer we've just we've just proven the concept for that show
0: absolutely absolutely alright uh, well thank you for listening again and um, yeah I don't know what we're doing next time but uh, maybe we'll be test drive overdrive we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: thanks very much guys we'll catch you in the next episode
0: later